0: Well, we are in the second week of our series, Twisted. And we're, we're in the middle of a month where we talk a lot about um, spirits and ghosts and goblins and haunted houses and all that kind of supernatural stuff. But oftentimes, like Jesus followers, we're a little confused, a little fuzzy sometimes about what we really believe and how that affects us. And, and it does affect us. We said last week that there's this invisible world that impacts the visible world. Jesus believed it. Scripture teaches it. There's a spiritual battle raging in this world that's as real as anything that we can see. We live in a physical world, but there's a spiritual world all around us that's just as real. What you see with your eyes is not all that there is. Uh, look at what the Bible says about this in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, Paul writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, when you go through struggles in life, sometimes the battle is not against your boss. It's not against the government, or your spouse, or your parents, or your your annoying neighbor. It's not against flesh and blood. The battle is against the spiritual forces of evil that exist in the heavenly realms, and I know the moment I say that, you know, some of you are going to agree with me strongly. It's like, oh, finally, we start, you know, talk about this kind of stuff here. Others of you are just going to be like, that's just weird. Like, you know, I was like, I don't understand that. It scares me. I don't even want to think about it. Uh, I love what C.S. Lewis says about it in his book, uh, the preface to his book, The Screw Tape Letters, which, if you've never read, highly recommend. But he says this. he says there's two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils or demons. He says one is to disbelieve in their existence. Eh, I don't think they really exist. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. So one mistake that people make is, you know, they think Satan's behind every bush. You know, whenever something bad happens in their life, oh, it was Satan, Satan did it. Even though like some people's like, <coughs> oh, they cut, you have the, the, the demon of coughs or the demon of sneezes or something like that. It's like, no, you know, okay. That, it's just like they see, see Satan everywhere and demons everywhere. There's just this unhealthy obsession and focus on the supernatural. But the other mistake is an underemphasis, so that you never think about the possibility you could be under spiritual attack. Everything's just natural instead of spiritual. And you're very hesitant to attribute anything to the spiritual world beyond what you can see. Now, this may surprise you, but if I tip one way or the other, like I definitely tend toward the under-emphasis side. Because my first impulse is to kind of look for the the most natural, logical (coughs) explanation for things that happen. I'm guessing most of you guys are in that camp, too. Uh, That can be dangerous, though. Because look what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5. Peter writes, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Now, we often talk about the, the fact that, that God has a wonderful plan for your life. But did you know that Satan has a plan for your life too? Ever thought about what Satan's plan for your life might look like? First Peter says is to devour you. He wants to devour your marriage. No, Satan loves divorce. Loves when we bicker with our spouse about silly things. Loves when we hold grudges or refuse to forgive one another or live separate lives under the same roof. Satan wants to devour your kids, your grandkids. Satan, uh, students. Satan would love for to get you to compromise your values to fit in with your friends. Love to damage your mind and your bodies at a very young age. He wants to devour you financially loves it when we worry about money or or hold on to it too tightly instead of being generous. He's got a plan. wants to devour your health, devour your relationship with God, wants to make you look like a hypocrite and devour your witness in the world. The bottom line is this, Satan hates you. He hates your marriage, hates your kids, hates your faith in Jesus. He hates you. But that all raises a question, okay? If Satan's got a plan to devour us, how does he do that? What's his battle plan? What's his strategy? How does Satan work in the world today? Now we live in a culture that's all about the scary, you know, the the haunted houses and the scary movies and TV shows, you know, paranormal activity and stuff, where Satan and demons appear in these spooky, ghoulish forms and all kinds of weird things happen and people get attacked and possessed. But if Satan appeared to you in kind of a ghoulish form, you know, and it would just scare you to death, what would you do? You would like run back to Jesus, you know, run back to God. He put his arms around you and he'd love and care for you. And Satan is no dummy. He'd rather you sit and stagnate and die spiritually. There's so much confusion about how Satan works in the world today. But I want you to look for, with me for just a moment at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul writes this. He says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Paul says he is aware of what Satan's schemes are. How about you? Are you aware that you're in a battle every day, spiritually speaking? Are you aware of what Satan's schemes in your life might be? Paul said he knew, and the Corinthians to whom he's writing, they knew as well, which means it's not a secret. It's possible to know Satan's schemes and what they are for your life today. And yet we live in a world that's on the whole quite confused about how Satan wants to work today. So, for the rest of our time, I just kind of want to look at what the Bible says about kind of Satan's battle plan. And we're going to look at four schemes Satan wants to use in our, our life and then four ways that we can ha- defeat those. And next week, we'll go deeper into a few or uh, one of those. But the first scheme Satan wants to use in your life is this he just wants to get you to believe false teaching. Okay? He's very subtle about it. We said last week his primary tool is deception. Okay? He takes what's true and he twists it. There's this fascinating story in, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 4, where Satan encounters Jesus in the desert after Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. And we looked at one of Satan's temptations last week. Here's another one. He doesn't tempt Jesus by trying to spook him with paranormal activity. Satan's a lot craftier than that. Look what it says in Matthew 4, verse 5 says, the devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city, Jerusalem, and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, so that they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, first question is, where is it written? You know, like, where does it say that? Well, it's in the Bible. Satan is actually quoting Psalm 91 to try to lead Jesus into temptation. He's quoting the verse, but he's taking it out of context. He's twisting it. He's twisting it. There's some people today who, who quote the Bible, but they twist it out of context. They twist it to mean what they want it to. And it's demonic. That may be the number one way Satan wants to work in the world today. He's not trying to spook you with ghosts and paranormal activity and so on. He's trying to get you to believe false things about God. And what's really hard uh, about that is sometimes it's incredibly difficult to discern false teaching. For example, there was a best-selling book out not long ago that tried to claim that hell was kind of a place of pruning, where you kind of go to prune off the bad parts of your character, but everybody gets to heaven eventually, as opposed to hell being a place of eternal punishment, which is a lovely thought, it's just not in the Bible. That, uh, that book, it used lots of Bible verses, and several of them are quoted out of context. It even uses and defines Greek words, but not all the definitions are entirely correct. But here's my question: like how does the average person know that? Right? The author uses Bible verses and Greek words, and it all sounds so good. And Second Corinthians chapter 11 says it this way. It says, "No wonder." for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Satan's not going to come into your life and go like, woo, it's me, Satan, you know, like let's sacrifice a goat and, you know, let's go do some weird seance thing together. He's a lot craftier than that. He's going to masquerade as good. False teachers don't look false. They look smart. Okay, they look like nice people and many of them are, but they masquerade. That's why, if you want to defeat this scheme of Satan in your life, you got to know the Bible well. Okay? You got to know the truth so that you can identify the lie. I would even add that to that compare everything, everything, everything you hear, everything you read, everything you hear from me, any teacher, compare it back to the Bible. That's exactly what Jesus does uh, to Satan. Look how Jesus responded to Satan's temptation. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus quotes a verse of the Bible right back at Satan to refute what Satan said. It's like, hey, look, Satan, you're twisting God's word, taking it out of context. Don't forget this verse. If you want to protect yourself against Satan's scheme of false teaching, you got to know God's word. We looked last week at uh, Ephesians 6 where Paul talks about that we need to do battle with the evil one. He says, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And he uses this metaphor of spiritual armor and spiritual war, and he lists a number of items there. He talks about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. And then he finishes with in the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I have a sword here. This is actually my son's katana. He gave me safety lessons on this. It's like, okay, you got to hold it this way. And pull it on this way. And I was telling some of the, the students at cross country that uh, you know I was going to borrow my son's sword to use for a prop for sermon illustration. And they're like, "Why does he have a sword?" And one of the other kids is like, "Why wouldn't he? You know, like, it's cool, right? You know, cool sword." Now I have never actually been in battle with anyone with a sword or without one. But remember how Peter talked about the devil being like a roaring lion, you know, kind of uh, looking for somebody to devour. I'm thinking if a roaring lion's coming at me and I have a sword, I'm going to use it. You know, anybody's attacking me, I'm not going I'm to. I'm not going to just stand there and be like, oh, you know, I'm going to like grab a sword or something. You know, all of you guys are paying way more attention now, right now, for some reason I don't know. It's like everybody wakes up like, ooh, sword. See, here's the thing. Um, we all have access to the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, but many of us just leave it on the shelf, you know, instead of bringing it to battle. You don't regularly read or study scripture. So it'd be really, really tough for you to spot false teaching. Now, some of you are thinking like, well, isn't that kind of thing just for like academics and theologians and stuff? Like, who really cares if I might believe some false things about God? It doesn't affect my real life. Not true. For example, if you don't think hell is a real place, You're going to be focused a lot more on the here and now instead of on eternity. Or if you think all religions lead to God, not a lot of motivation to share Jesus with your neighbor. If you think you can work your way into heaven just by being a good person, you're never going to feel good enough and you're going to miss out on heaven altogether. False teaching affects your life and Satan schemes to use it for your downfall. Second scheme Satan wants to use in your life is that he wants to accuse you wants to accuse you in the old testament book of Zechariah there's this story where uh, Zechariah the prophet gets this vision of God and he says then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him vivid picture there Satan standing at the right side of Joshua the high priest he's just accusing him over and over you know you're bad you're awful you're you're no good that's what Satan does Revelation 12.10 says it this way. He says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. This is the future. He's been hurled down. So Satan stands before God day after day, night after night, and accuses you. And I think this is where spiritual warfare can become the most noticeable in our lives. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you have ever kind of had these thoughts in our heads that just seem to come out of nowhere? Thoughts like, well, you're such a bad parent. You're a bad person. You really think that you could serve in the church because of your past life of sin? You don't have anything to offer to anyone. Your own life is out of control. Just these accusatory thoughts playing in your mind. Maybe you were abused at an early age and you hear that voice that just whispers, it's your fault. It's your fault. You're dirty. Or maybe for you, like your husband thinks you're beautiful, but when you look in the mirror there's this voice that just goes, you're ugly. Or even though your boss thinks you're doing a great job, you look around and you go, no one here appreciates me. It's that voice that just says, who are you? Who are you? You don't deserve that. You're too young. You're too old. Most of us have thoughts like that on a semi-regular basis because one of Satan's greatest schemes in your life is to accuse you. That's why if you want to defeat that scheme, you have to frequently remind yourself of your standing before God because of Jesus. Let me say that again. You have to frequently remind yourself of your standing before God because of Jesus. Zechariah 3, it says, As Satan was standing accusing him with these thoughts, it says Joshua was standing in filthy clothes. That was His sins were like filthy clothes that covered him. Yet look what it says in the next verse. It says, The angel said, these, uh, said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See? taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. And let's face it, all of us have sin in our lives that are like filthy clothes that just cover us. But here's the good news, and this is the part that Satan will always leave out when you hear those whispering thoughts. Your standing before God is not based on what you've done. It's based on what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus died on the cross for you, and in doing so, he takes away your filthy clothes. He pays the penalty for your sin. and He gives you new rich garments to wear. So whenever you hear those accusatory thoughts in your mind, your greatest weapon is just to remind yourself, Christ died for my sins. I'm worthy and acceptable to God because of his grace. I'm a child of God adopted into his family. If you've put your faith in Christ, you are a most treasured child of God, precious in his sight. And You've got to remind yourself of that almost daily, because Satan wants nothing more than to just bury you in the depression of accusatory thoughts. Third theme Satan would love to use in your life, he wants to stop you from going where God wants you to go. Ever thought to yourself like, ah, let's get out of debt, and then your car breaks down? (laughs) Or let's work on our marriage, and then you get in a huge fight? Or this is my chance to tell this person about Jesus, but then your cell phone goes off? Or you thought like, you know, I want to start that ministry, or I want to serve God in that way, only to have something stop you? This is, this is crazy. Look at what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, for we, to the Thessalonians, we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. Satan stopped us. What is it in your life Satan might want to stop you from doing? Probably not going to stop you from sitting on the couch eating nachos and Doritos and stuff. Probably not going to stop you from thinking the worst of your coworkers or your teachers or the other kids at school. Probably not going to stop you from going to bed angry with your spouse or flirting with a co- coworker. Think about it for a second. Like if you want to lie to your parents or cheat on your spouse or sleep with your boyfriend, Satan's going to give you a wide open path to do that. It's not going to make that difficult at all. But the moment you say, I'm going to confess to my parents, I'm going to keep my eyes from wandering, I'm going to pursue sexual purity with my life, that's the moment you can expect resistance. Maybe you've had a time in your life where you've thought, you know, I'm going to go to church every weekend. I'm just going to make that a, a habit. And then you stay up late Saturday night, and the next Sunday, you kind of hit the snooze button and you blow off uh, church and just make a pot of coffee. Or you say, I'm going to get really serious about Jesus, and you just forget that thought by lunchtime. The Bible says Satan will try to keep you from going where God wants you to go. That's why in order to defeat this scheme, you have to push through the resistance. You have to push through the resistance. Satan wants you to think that, hey, resistance or challenge or difficulty in your life means that you're outside of God's will. But here's what you got to know. Resistance is not a sign you're outside of God's will. In fact, a lot of times it's the exact opposite. When you experience resistance or difficulties in life, it's because you've never been more in God's will. You're so close to what God wants for your life that Satan begins throwing up resistance and roadblocks. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying whenever you face difficulties, it's because Satan is behind it. I'm just saying, don't assume that when God wants you to do something, that it's going to be easy. Oftentimes it's not. Satan will stop at nothing to stop you from going where God wants you to go. And some of you, you're in very difficult seasons of life right now, aren't you? Don't quit. Push through the resistance. Satan wants to stop you from going where God wants you to go. Fourth scheme of Satan that he wants to use in your life, he wants you to doubt God. He wants you to doubt God. This goes way back to the very beginning. In Genesis, we read that Satan takes the form of a serpent and he goes to Eve to plant that seed of doubt. And and he just says, did God really say? Did God really say? Like, are, are you sure? Are you sure you heard him right? You know, maybe you're misinterpreting him, you know, or did he really mean that? You know, did God really say? Now, oftentimes for us, when we tend to doubt God, it's because we've been praying for something and our prayers don't get answered in a prompt fashion. There's a story in Daniel chapter 10 where Daniel prays about something and for three weeks he doesn't see an answer. 21 days. And most of us in that situation would be like, well, prayer is obviously a joke. You know, clearly God doesn't hear me. But Daniel waits and he keeps praying and finally an angel comes and speaks to him and look what the angel says. He says, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, in other words, since the first day you prayed, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them, but the prince of the Persian kingdom, apparently some kind of demon, resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, another angel, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, which is what Daniel had been praying about. Daniel prays about something, doesn't see a response for 21 days, probably going, well, God obviously didn't hear me. God did hear him, and he sent an angel out, but the angel got detained in some sort of spiritual battle with his demon, was unable to get to him for three weeks. Here's what happens to most of us. Like, we pray about something, and if it's not immediately answered, we start to doubt God. Well, I prayed like twice for that, you know? And it's like, God didn't answer. And Satan wants to use that doubt to lead you into sin and, or temptation, which is why if you want to defeat this scheme, you need to pray and wait in faith. Bible says that there's a spiritual battle waging in our world beyond our wildest imaginations. Parents want to see your kids turn around? Pray. Want to see a breakthrough in your marriage or some other part of your life? Pray. Satan wants nothing more than to get you to doubt God. He wants you to be so consumed with the ordinary events of our life that you forget about the extraordinary work of God. So consumed with the natural, we forget about the supernatural. You've got to pray and wait in faith. Well, those are some of the schemes of Satan. If you're going to resist, like Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, you've got to put on the full armor of God. What is the full armor? It's just that stuff that we've been talking about. Reading and studying the Bible and praying and waiting in faith and reminding yourself of who you are because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. You do that every day, Satan can't touch you. In fact, this week I'd encourage you to read through Ephesians chapter 6. And just read through that chapter and begin to understand what is the armor of God and how can I put it on this week? Which leads us to a final question that I want to address. Should we be afraid of Satan and spiritual warfare? Because it's kind of scary to think that, oh, there's some spiritual being out there who wants to harm us and our families. Or maybe you're kind of paranoid that, you know, somehow in the past you've opened yourself up to Satan's work in your life or your past sins will come back to haunt you some way. Or maybe you watched a movie like The Exorcist and you're like, well, what if I get possessed and something like that? Let me just be clear about this. You don't randomly just get a demon in your life. It doesn't work like that. Generally, there are three things that tend to open people up to demonic influence. Habitual drug use, ongoing sexual immorality, dabbling with the occult, things like Wicca and witchcraft and Ouija boards and psychics and horoscopes and things like that. Stuff that seems so harmless sometimes, it's not, and it's forbidden by God. If you're dabbling in that stuff, I just say, don't mess around. Why would you want to open yourself up to allow Satan to get a foothold in your life? Now, having said that, here's what you need to know. If you're walking with Jesus Christ and putting your faith and trust in him, you have nothing to fear. got nothing to fear. Jesus Christ defeated Satan on the cross. He is our victory. So long as you stay near Jesus, Satan can't touch you. 1 John 4 says it this way, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. I want you to remind yourself of that this week. The Spirit that lives in you is greater than the Spirit that is in the world. Therefore, as a believer, you have nothing to fear. And yet, for some of us here today, Maybe you have a sense that there's some sort of spiritual ta- attack taking place in your life. You can't really put your finger on it, but there's just a certain area of your life where you just kind of wonder, could it be spiritual? Maybe some sort of spiritual attack that's taking place. So I want to urge you to do two things as we close. First, read through Ephesians 6 this week. Really learn about what it means to put on the full armor of God. Then second, I want to pray for you. Just pray for God's protection on your life. Pray that if there is some area of your life where you are experiencing a spiritual attack, that it would be lifted and that you would experience the victory of Jesus in your life from this point on. So let's stand as we close in prayer together. <clears throat> Dear God, this is such a different message for most of us because we we're not used to thinking about spiritual warfare and attack and all that kind of stuff and... It just seems so weird to us and kind of hard to grasp. Hard to think that there's this invisible world that affects the visible world. And yet and yet, there's p- times in our life, God, where we just, there's this oppression. Maybe there's these accusatory thoughts that just kind of run through our heads. Lord, I w- pray that you would just lift that oppression. For those that feel that, I just begin to battle on their behalf. And Lord, for all of us, I pray that we would be prepared, that we would have a a battle plan for ourselves, that we would know Satan's schemes and be aware of that and be aware that we need to be in prayer. We need to be in your word all the time. That it's not just a good idea to help us grow, but that it's essential in the spiritual warfare that we find ourselves in in this world. And so God, I just pray that you would give us wisdom to know what to do now with what we've heard and then give us the courage to do it. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You're dismissed.